You are now listening to Carly's Couch. I'm Carly. And I'm Lex. In this podcast, we discuss a wide array of topics about life and how to live your best life. Whatever that looks like for you. (laughs) Hope y'all enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Carly's Couch. It's Lex Topia here. And Cece Fierce. Carly Carpio, to be exact. (laughs) Not that you didn't know that already. Um, We have... Damn, this year's been flying by. It's uh, February, March. Oh, March, shit. No. <laughs> Not sure when this episode comes out, by the way. Actually, no, this is next week, so this is still February. Okay. Is it? I think so. It's like the 24th today that we're or, recording no, this, I think, so I don't know. I, no, I think it's March because February only has 28 days. Yeah, so we're in, <laughs> we're almost done with the first quarter of this year. Sheesh. And we've been enjoying it. I've been enjoying it thus far. We've had a couple of good guests already um, for 2021, looking for more guests. Uh, we want a sex therapist. If you know anybody, let we us do. know. Or, you know, we should, I probably at this point can just use LinkedIn also to just like randomly hit people and see if they'd want to do it because it takes like 45 minutes of your time. It's not that crazy. Um, so maybe we should just like go look for the experts ourselves. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. We've been on this wave trying to find, you know, people who are experts in their respective fields and have this research and have these gems to share with you all and actionable tools and things to share with us and stuff that we're interested in. Because we know y'all tired of hearing us talk about love and light. And journaling. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Right. Every episode. So journal. And tune into yourself. (laughs) Right. Self-awareness. But that's the main point of this. And and I guess like self-awareness is important with all of these different aspects. Mm Self-love is important with all these aspects. Mm -hmm. And I think what's interesting is that even in our own lives, um, I can speak for you because I feel like you've said this before too, but even in our own lives, it's like we see these same kind of lessons over and over and sometimes they just hit different or based on what's going on or whatever. So we do want to make sure that we are giving you episodes that you enjoy, which I think you do because I get messages... um, like on my birthday a few weeks ago, I got some messages from people who were saying like, oh, and I've been listening every week and so forth. So we do appreciate everybody who's listened, who's left a review, leaves comments, who engages with us week to week. Um, and also for you, for those of you who share the podcast. So continue to share it so we can spread out into some new networks as well. Um, and this week we're going to talk about drugs. Drogas. Sex, alcohol, profanity. Sex, love, and pain. (laughs) All the things that, well, not everybody, but all the things that a lot of people grew up thinking that these are not things that you should be doing or things to watch out for or um, these are the things that's going to have you out here looking bad, et cetera. Um, What was the point of why we were talking about this, though? We... Try to base our episodes on life experiences, whether it's lessons or things that we're going through. And we were talking um, after our last episode with John, we were talking about, man, what else do we want to talk about? What's kind of going on with us? And somehow we started talking about new experiences. Somebody mentioned cocaine. I don't even know what was happening there. And and drugs in specific. And uh, we were laughing because we were like, yo, like I'm over sniffing now. (laughs) <laughs> Somebody was talking about cocaine, but I have allergies. FYI, I'm about to say, if you watching the video, if clear. you not watch the video, it's no cocaine here. I'm be real clear, there was not a line of cocaine on the coffee table before we started this. I don't even have a coffee table, so here we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not a real suspect. I really am lying, though. I mean, I mean, I'm not lying. Shit. Damn. Whatever. Let's continue. Avoid and slip. Um, but let's continue. 
we start talking about new experiences and um, drugs in, in specific. And sorry, I was talking about how I didn't really smoke weed for the first time until my 31st birthday or something like that. Shout out to Tay. <laughs> um, and then we're like, man, you know, why did it take us so long to try certain things or, you know, what what led us here? Or why did I even make that decision? Why did I wait until that long mm-hmm. to start smoking? And why why do it now? Like, if I made it this long without it, like, why do it? And so that's kind of how we got to this topic today. Yeah, because I feel like by the time you're, especially in your 30s, like, you, if you're just trying new things, or even late 20s or whatever, if you're just trying new things, you probably had were making a conscious effort to avoid them or to not participate in that behavior earlier on. Um, and so we were just kind of brainstorming around why that is, what changes, um, and our thoughts around those particular experiences. Um, so what are like some of those things that we grow up hearing that are bad or don't do it or you know they tell you to avoid um, that kind of fit into this topic? I mean, the first one is drugs, which is the how we started this whole entire conversation. Because, like, the whole time we were growing up, it was dare. You know, weed is a gateway drug. Mm, they went so hard with dare too. Like for what? Like <laughs> that lying, and now they had to backtrack on all them words. I, yeah, they did. And I remember we even had like a um, when we air quote graduated from dare, whatever it was. We had a whole performance we had to do. Like <laughs> we. Had- no, we had these t-shirts, these dare t-shirts that were fire. We had these dare t-shirts and I remember not like yesterday, but I remember it a little too vividly that we had to like do this like side step, side to side, clap, and we had to sing like a song like the dare to keep the kids off drugs. <laughs> and our parents were there. <laughs> Yo, I remember officer, I want to say her name was Officer Singletary. Um we I remember we had an officer who like came to our classes and was like talking to us about drugs and it's just like, bro, like, it's real. They, I feel like they try to scare you when it comes to drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and they tell you that, you know, they're going to fry your brain. They tell you that you're not going to have a future. Um, and all of those things, which do you feel like looking back that that was, this might be two separate questions, but that that was accurate and or also that that was helpful or that it was good. Like, you're glad you went through that. Um. I don't know how helpful it was uh, because most of it was about weed. And now there's all of this scientific research showing that, you know, CBD is actually really helpful for a plethora of health things, um, whether mental or physical. CBD though now. Let's not get it too twisted. That's true. That's true. Not THC necessarily. But um, I don't know how helpful it was, but also I didn't do drugs. So I guess it was Mm. effective, if anything. Yeah, but I think that was also a big part of like the bigger environment that we grew Mm -hmm. up into. Um, hmm. but I, I'm trying to think, like, I don't know. I, I already, it was already kind of instilled in me, like drugs are bad. And so for me, I thought it was interesting learning about drugs. Like, I'm like, I never heard of this stuff, like hashish and heroin and stuff. Like, I didn't even know. Well, no, nah, probably at that time. Cause this was, I think it was elementary school that we did it. Um, yeah. so at this time, I'm like, I don't even know what this stuff is. Like y'all let me know what's going on. Um, oh man, they gave y'all the exotic thing because in Oklahoma, it was basically just, we, like we didn't really, and meth. Cause it's Oklahoma, mm. but we didn't really learn about a lot of the other things, and it was it was never like education. Ours was just don't do it. Well, the whole education against drugs, I think, probably was helpful in me seeing it in a light where I'm like not pressed to try it. Um, but again, I also wasn't around that activity, so it's not like I saw directly saw like my peers doing certain things, which is usually what's like. 
the most persuasive to us when we're doing things. So I don't know. It's, it's just kind of whatever. When we look back at this stuff now, though, I think when it comes to a lot of things in science or it's particular to education around sex and drugs, things like that, that to your point, it's like they didn't even really know what they was talking about. Um, and it's just not that deep. So it makes more sense, I think. Or maybe this is for your family's job. I know teachers and, and things like that, they a lot of times have to take on like roles of kind of parents and like talking about certain things. But I think it's important to have discussions around drugs in a way that keeps it real with people, but mostly that makes it so that they feel open to actually talk about it, which I think mm-hmm. is what's missing from a lot of education that's like anti do a thing. I don't think any of those conversations are ever two way. And I think mm. that's where they're lacking. Like whether it's in school, um, yeah. whether it's what, and that's not even just drugs. That's any of these other things we're about to talk about. Like, I think that of course it's the parent's job. You shouldn't like leave it up to other people in the world to educate your kids, but in places where they don't have education around these certain things, like, yeah, you got to have those conversations. And it, if anything, I want my kids, you know, in the future to be able to come to me about stuff. Yeah. And especially as an adult too, when you actually look around and realize how many teachers, doctors, like it ain't like smoking weed is for bums. Like when you look around and see how many people actually participate in doing drugs, mm-hmm. we got professors talking about they do heroin for work life <laughs> balance. Like Google that article. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like, oh, okay. You know, why are we going so hard when y'all all do it? But it's about knowing how to do a thing or, um, at what level or balance that makes more sense. So it just, when you look back on these things, it always just seems so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, when you're, when you say a thing and do another thing, starts with H. Uh, well, I don't, or maybe H threw me off, H. but I was like, that's a contradiction. <laughs> yeah. A con- <laughs> Hypocrite is oh, what I was thinking about. Okay. I was, like, so I was uh, like, damn, I don't know why I threw the H out like that, but hey, I knew, you knew it was somewhere, you knew, you knew. but it's so yourself. hypocritical now and it's like why were y'all like that like officer singletary probably smoking weed after the dare like <laughs> class like yeah so come on um and last thing about that i de- we definitely understand there's a lot of government implications and why certain drugs carry certain sentences and it, like how mm-hmm. they were used yeah i'm not telling you go light yeah, up right now saying- <laughs> in a place where it's not legal as it is in la yeah. shout out los angeles shout out to la and um, many cities now but mm-hmm, colorado as well but yeah, so I, we know that that's the thing. And also in that same vein, like um, tobacco and alcohol, like it was just mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff when we were growing up. Like I I wasn't in the D.A.R.E. thing. We didn't have that at my school, but I was in, there was a SWAT program and it was students working against tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> students working against tobacco. Um, and I like did this whole course and I, I was mainly doing because my mom smoked and I thought it was mm. terrible. But also, and this might sound a little judgy and I'm not usually judgy about things, but if you're still smoking cigarettes right now in, in this day you and age and you're our, our age, <laughs> you need to work on that. Okay. Yeah, I grew up in Winston-Salem, which is the home of Winston Cigarettes. Oh, and um, R.J. Reynolds, because uh, I went to R.J. Reynolds High School, R.J. Reynolds in Winston was the big tobacco guy. And they were the ones who did all the the cigarette factories and tobacco plants in that mm. area. So North Carolina is very known, and the South, South Carolina, probably Virginia too, very much known for tobacco and tobacco crops. And so growing up there, that was a big part of the industry. People worked there and in it. And I feel like back in the day, well, let me say this. I, I 
see now there's way more of like smoking cigarettes just isn't cool period anyway um back then it was like okay it was like kind of cool and that's that's evolved from when you could smoke on planes and smoke in, to smoking in smoke restaurants sections. and clubs like yeah like when i was in college we still could smoke a black and mild in the club like whatever um I was telling somebody the other day how I was like, man, you know, going to the club in college was like a real, real decision because as a black woman too, I would always be like, okay, if I go out, I know I'm going to come back and I'm going to have to wash my hair and I'm going to have to do this because it's like everything would just be permeated with smoke. Um, and so I remember that being such a big thing and like, oh, now you don't have to really worry about it as much. And for whatever reason, weed smoke don't really stay on you like that hard. Um, but yeah, I think that tobacco, I... I feel like I didn't see as much education specifically to tobacco, but because I wasn't around people who were cigarette smokers, it just wasn't really a thing for me. Alcohol, um, for sure, is something that, uh, from how I just grew up, I guess, and um, same with regular drugs, I think. Like, my parents don't drink, and so I think that's usually a thing that you see around the home life. Um, And I think it's interesting also when you look at other cultures like a France or even watching foreign films, you'll see kids have a glass of wine Mm -hmm. at the table because it's like, okay, this is a regular part of life. Like it's a beverage. Like you're not about to get twisted off a glass of wine. And so you learn how to drink and you learn like Mm -hmm. what makes sense and what's doing too much, what's not, et cetera. Um, And so I think it's really a cultural thing and like how you do this stuff. Absolutely. And for me, it's the opposite. Like my parents were alcoholics and so I was like huh like my grandmother was just like Carly don't ever drink like Mm. it was like a terrifying thing like please don't ever drink and so I carried a lot of like fear and guilt and shame around like partaking at all like I didn't drink until I turned 21 and all this stuff and I was so nervous Mm. I was gonna be alcoholic it was like a whole thing I was trying to think when I started drinking um I don't I don't think I really drank until but you know I have a story about drinking also I remember um, one time in the Bahamas being with my, at my aunt's house and our family was there visiting with her. And I remember my mom with her sister, she's the one who's from the Bahamas. I remember her having like a Heineken and I'm, I must've been super young. I don't remember how old, I mean, not super young, like irresponsible young, but like probably between 12 and 15 maybe. But I remember my mom saying like, have a sip. Like, like just kind of passing me like, you can have a sip of this Heineken. And I remember tasting it and being like, oh, this is so nasty. <laughs> But then also my dad had found out about it. And he was really upset with my mom. And I remember him being like, why would you do that? And like, oh, well, don't do that. You know, like he's real extra, right? Like I feel like my parents in general, but my dad more so are more on the lines of like, don't even put that in front of you or don't even do the thing. Mm-hmm. But what I realized much later on in life when I remember this and think back to it, it's interesting the things you remember from your childhood as an adult. It's like that was the number one reason why I never wanted to really try drinking like that because I'd had a sip and it was fucking disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, that was the main reason why I was like, oh, okay, that's what y'all been drinking. Like, I'm good. Like, I'm not really pressed. Um, fast forward. Um, I don't really remember drinking until freshman year college. So I definitely like that first night or first week, at least <laughs> I, remember I had two little shots of E&J. I was on the floor. Oh God. I, remember uh, I was on the floor. Uh, wild. And, and I was like, this is great. Um, <laughs> and then from there it was whatever during college. So, um, my craziest alcohol nights were after college when I had like a air quote real job. And then it's like, you had nothing else to be doing. So I used to be out every night, uh, wilding out. And that's really, that's 23, 23, 24. And that's mm-hmm. also the first time I had sex. I was 23 or 24. Um, so that was after college. So for me, um, to move this on, I guess to sex also, I think a lot of people here and are so like 
anti-doing things or anti-have sex or don't have sex before marriage, which I don't hear as much, much, much pushed. Um, I'm sure within people's families and church mm-hmm. life, et cetera, you hear that. But um, yeah, sex is another one of those things where it's like, well, I'm just not going to be worried about it. And I just never, I don't know, I never was pressing. I never did. And see, I it's so interesting because I live in, in California now and knowing people from here, they'll be like, yeah, you know, sex education back in middle school. And I'm like, wait, y'all had sex ed? They're like, yeah, you didn't. And I'm like, I'm from Oklahoma where abstinence is the only thing. But that's also why the teenage pregnancy rate was so damn high <laughs> because people didn't mm-hmm. know how anything worked. I remember like being at OU and we had, um, oh man, I forgot what they're called. They're the sex... Uh, not sex capades, the sex. Not the sex capades. They're whatever. They're, they're, <laughs> but they will come talk to you about sex because mm. they know that all of us coming up there don't mm-hmm. actually understand any of this shit. And so, like, I mean, most people have probably had sex but don't understand, like, how people actually get pregnant and condoms mm-hmm. and all these things. And so they would, I forgot, sex perks, that's what they're called. That's probably easier. Oh, sex yeah, perks. You don't know have sex do, <laughs> Well, but they would do, like, little events and stuff mm-hmm. and give away condoms and give away things if you would come um, and, and, like, learn, like, freshman year in the dorms mm-hmm. and just moving out here and realizing. Like that's something um, that people had been getting educated on about the health and how it affects people and all that stuff and just realizing that we missed out on it. So sex was a big thing. Um, and there were so many people getting pregnant in middle school and high school, like where I'm from. Yeah, now that I look back, it was a lot of people in high school um, <laughs> getting pregnant. And I think it was high school. I think we had some sex ed. I don't really recall it that crazy. It was just like a half type course. Um, but I do remember being like how I was like, I don't want to say I was a sexual deviant, but I remember like when I learned about masturbation, I was telling, um, <laughs> I was telling my friend the other day, I was like, damn, I remember when I first found out about, about masturbation, I think, um, because we used to always go to the library and get books. I think I read like one of those books that's like tries to talk about sex and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading about it and be like, oh, and it, I was so wild. Like at one point, like I remember being in the library, like I would just be masturbating everywhere. Like I would just randomly be walking around with my hand in my pants, like going crazy, <laughs> like for no reason. But um, yeah, I just remember being so into it, but I never felt like a desire to like be with a person. That's also probably because of other things. Like I just wasn't, I was just was not boy crazy. I wasn't into dudes. I was fighting dudes more than anything. So, yeah. um, but I, I remember like, expressing it like I'd write like crazy thing crazy letters I remember leaving a voicemail on this guy's answer machine one time on his family answer machine like what is going on but I it's like I was trying to express it or like it was Mm -hmm. going on but I just wasn't doing anything physically so that's so interesting that you talk about that with the masturbation story I was so I guess I was too I was so curious that was middle school I think for Mm -hmm. me that I was just going ham same, because I, I was just curious <laughs> and didn't know, like, you know what I mean? And so just exploring these things um, and like your body and like learning all that stuff. And also there was no education. So it's like, uh, well, mm-hmm. like reading books and then just doing that. So that's yeah. so interesting. I think I listened to the whole abstinence thing where I was just, I, I just wasn't pressed. And so after college, um, when I had like my second boyfriend, that's when I started being sexually active. And then from there, it was just like, whatever turn up so there's literally like i mean this ain't y'all's business but it's really not nothing i I would not do and i don't know too many things that have not tried or done so it's like i don't feel um like held back in any way either and then to a degree like i i very much know my body and all of those things so i don't know i think it's it's 
a sad thing that we don't have more openness around discussing it. But also, I can say that and also admit that I'd be feeling uncomfortable when I see stuff like that, like watching Euphoria and watching these shows. And it's like, I don't want to watch this or see kids or think about kids Mm -hmm. entertaining sex and all that. But at the same time, it's like, well... We have to make an environment where, again, they understand or have knowledge. Um, I don't know if you've seen Bridgerton, mm-hmm. where the character, the, the one of the main girls, I don't remember their names like that, but she was like, oh, her mom didn't prepare her. Like, she got yeah. married, and she didn't know how you get pregnant. Like, she did not know what ejaculation or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, she was just understanding her, like, learning about her body. Granted, she was also probably, like, 15 or 16. But, um, I, yeah, I just think it's interesting what we choose to just not talk about in a lot of these cases, and that being the reason why we don't try it or that we like go on our own and just wild out. And like how, how that can lead to like lackluster experiences or the fact that you might not ever try anything else just because you didn't have education, didn't have exposure, are scared or not open to things or not comfortable with your own body. And it just comes from that whole like culture around like, you know, abstinence and around calling things not um, biological names and acting Mm -hmm. like things are different. And especially religion, um, has done so much for sexuality, like to stifle women's specifically. Uh, mm-hmm. So that has, that's a huge area. And that's why I, like, why I was like, man, we should have a sex therapist on to talk about like that, that type of stuff and, and growth and knowing yourself and exploration and all that. Um, when growing up, did you hear a lot of profanity around you or? Yes. <laughs> so did you, were you comfortable or were you allowed to say? Um, well, to curse or whatever. So also probably, TMI, but my parents used to fight a lot. And I've talked about this before. Um, my stepfather was very physically abusive um, to my mom and him. And my mom are both alcoholics when I was growing up. And the only time that I cursed, and the only time I felt comfortable cursing, because I wouldn't curse at school, I didn't curse anywhere else, but I would curse at him to leave her alone and, you know, to protect my mom and do stuff like that. And boy, I would curse him out like I would (laughs) incinerate him with words but that's the only time like outside Mm. of that I had no desire to curse like at track practice people would be cursing doing stuff like one of my homeboys used to make fun of me because I would skip all the curse words and songs he's like yo you're so (laughs) whack (laughs) (laughs) I can't even listen to them songs but I curse I mean I curse a lot now um but yeah I grew up around all that um I looking back I feel like I remember in high school like people were cursing so much and it would just be like like, yo, y'all going so cool. hard. Even now, it's like, yo, like, I don't want to hear you. That's the only words that come out. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, what other vocabulary do you know? But at the same time, um, I definitely grew up in a house where my parents don't curse. I still remember to this day, like, I've probably got my feelings hurt the most. The one day, I remember me and my mom, I was probably just talking back or something. And she's like, shut the hell up. And I remember being like, well, I'm super shook. Because <laughs> they don't even say that. Like, we can't even say lie. You know how in a lot of black households and stuff, too, you can't even be like, lie. Are you lied or told a lie? Like... It's like, come on, y'all. Like, it's just words. Um, But I remember an eye-opening kind of experience when I was studying in Spain in college. And the people that I lived with there, it was like an older woman and guy, a a mom and dad, and they had a family. But, like, I I recognized a big cultural difference that in Spain, they would use the F word or joder. They would say that all the time. Like, joder tu madre, joder, joder, joder. And, like, whatever. And I'm like, oh, y'all cool with that? Like... But also, I guess here, you know, people are, there's people like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just like, yeah, it's just words. Like, but in general, culturally, like, you can hear that on regular TV and everything. And it's just like, yeah, like, what's the problem? Like, it's not that deep um, until we make it that deep, mm-hmm. which I feel like we do here. Um, so I remember being so interested in like, oh, you can say anything. Like, 
they were just going in, but it was like, okay, that's just part of language. That doesn't mean anything. It's not like you're really like cursing a person unless you go hard on, you know, somebody, but you could do that without using particular words. So for me, I, I curse a lot now, but I also still don't curse around my parents. Like I, I was texting my dad and I said LMAO accidentally. And he was like, what do you say? He said, I'm assuming that A is for some other word. And I was like, <laughs> dad, come on, bro. Like it's still, you know what I mean? I'm 36. Like, please. But <laughs> You know, that's how that's how they are. And I, I respect the ability to tone it down when you need to tone it down. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you should be in like every environment going crazy. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk, for example, in his professional life, he talks about like, yo, I cuss a lot. But like, also, if you have a problem with me cursing and you don't work with me because of it, it's like, yo, do you want results or do you, you know, like what's more important? But also like, you know, it's people's right. If you want to be that person mm-hmm. for me, it's like I'm not that pressed to curse. Um, in all environments, for example. But I think it's interesting how we, like, evilify. What's, there's definitely a better Vilify? word for that. Vilify. That's literally the word. I know. I was, it was something else I was thinking. I was like, mm, that ain't it. But, like, how we really vilify people who, you know, have premarital sex, who mm-hmm. curse or whatever, like, smoke weed or whatever. And it's just really talking to people and being out in society. It's like, yo, none of this is that deep. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like thinking about relationships and cohabitation and being from somewhere in the Bible Belt, it's like, you know, no premarital sex and don't move in with people. Don't shack up before y'all get married and blah, da, 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 da. And I think it's just such an interesting thing to avoid or have a fear about or have such a strong, strong stance from you don't even know. Yeah, what. it's one of the things where, like, <laughs> why is that anybody's business anyway? Exactly. Like, why are you? And pressed? then I see so many people who just are learning about each other after they get married that it's like y'all are wilding but i'm i'm not mad at people who don't want to cohabitate I, I think it's fine but it's also like okay do y'all know how much rent is right now like it makes sense like if if you're seeing just a person every sense. day or whatever yeah do, <laughs> make it make sense for you and like keep it moving um other things that we thought about too were like things like tattoos and how i want to say this might be ignorant but i want to say over time things like tattoos have gotten much more um are much less of like a bad rep mm-hmm. for, for people, but you still, and even I'll still, like if I saw somebody with tattoos all over their face, like you still kind of look at them like, oh, okay, I see you want some other stuff. But um, for the most part, it's like, okay, I got my first tattoo, I think when I was like 18. And then I took a long break because they fucked me up. And then I just started getting them all the time after that. And it's just like, it's not that serious. Like once I moved to LA and I felt like I was in an environment where I could more so get away with it, I think, is when I started really getting the visual ones or the ones that people could see that I can't really hide like that. Um, and I feel like it's it's more accepted now. Yeah, it's definitely an L.A. thing. Um, another one is, speaking of L.A., living in a big city, especially being from somewhere small, and I put this on the list because I think there's so much fear and things around like, man, so, so many people get murdered in New York and L.A. is this mm-hmm. and that. And it's just like because you have such a small bubble and you don't see outside of it. And it's like, now you got to get out and explore, like visit bigger cities, go live in them, go try different things. Um, I just think, yeah, there's just such a misconception about things. Like even in Oklahoma, um, some Oklahomans think like Dallas and Houston are so big. And like, oh, I could never live in a big mm-hmm. city. And I just like, OK. <laughs> yeah, try it. I mean, yeah, just try it. Um, there's other stuff too, like the type of entertainment you you listen to. Like I grew up where I couldn't watch, I didn't watch radar movies. That's why I still people make fun of me because I haven't seen a lot of movies. Um, I couldn't watch radar R movies like that, and then I also wasn't that interested. Like so certain things, it wasn't like I was trying to do it, and they were like, "Don't do that." But I just kind of 
maybe how I was socialized. I just wasn't really that into it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and music, like I, because I was basically listening to like Quiet Storm type shit with my parents in the car all the time, stuff like that. When it came time for me to listen to music, I knew if I was listening to rap music or whatever, my parents came around, like I'd have turned down real quick or something. So I ended up listening mostly to alternative music um, growing up. And that's just what happened until I got a little older. Um, so I think I, you just kind of, for me, I just kind of like adapted to what was available mm-hmm. at the time. And then I just kind of switched it up later or explored new things later. Man, I remember back when we used to go to Blockbuster or Hollywood Video. <laughs> mm. I used to beg my mom to let me watch. I don't know why these are the two movies that I wanted to see, but for whatever reason, Waiting to Exhale and Booty oh, Call. <laughs> and I would just beg her. She was like, no, like absolutely not. So I went to my cousins and I'm the youngest. I'm like the baby by like six years. And my cousin was like, wait, you want to see what? Okay, I got you. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it would let me right, like, like, watch the movies. Like, here we go. It's not that big of a deal. I remember seeing Coming to America the first time and I was at my aunt's house in the Bahamas because like they weren't as pressed. Like if you if it was planned, it was planned. But um, even now, like if I try to watch something with my dad, for example, and like they start kissing and making out, like you could tell, like when your parents get uncomfortable, and you'd be like, mm. and like start making comments. And it's like, Dad, we don't need this. Like you're making it weird. <laughs> Whatever. Um, what else? Spiritual things. Living in LA, I think that's huge. And maybe with maybe it's more. Um, upfront for me because of I teach yoga and mindfulness and meditation, but there's such a stigma around spirituality and anything. Like back home, people in Oklahoma, are like, wait, y'all pray to rocks? You carry around mm-hmm. these crystals and blah blah blah, yoni eggs mm-hmm. and tarot cards, and that's the devil. I had a whole conversation on Facebook with one of my uh, elementary school teachers about how mindfulness and meditation um, are forced religion in schools on kids. Mm-hmm. In all these things, and I was just like, I am not about to. Ha- I'm not about to do this with y'all. That's why right. I'm there. Like it's not that deep. <laughs> um, and that's things where you need just more education around. Um, also, even maybe falls into that a little bit is like therapy. Like there's a lot of people mm-hmm. who don't think you should be doing. You should be able to pray it away. Yeah. You're not praying hard enough. Yeah, no. Nah. Um, so, what are the reasons then why with with all of these different types of things? What were like the reasons when you did try it? Or if you tried it, like that, that came about. The reason why I did try things mm-hmm. um, that you grew up kind of feel, thinking like, oh, I shouldn't do that. Oh, because fear. I think fear is a big one. Like whenever you see those commercials, like this is your brain on drugs, and it's like a scrambled egg, and it's like, oh man, I, I don't want to like throw my life away by smoking one joint. Like I don't know what's going on. Oh, sorry. Why didn't you? Okay, my bad. I was asking why you did, but I got ahead. So that that's fair. Okay. <laughs> so I didn't. So I think fear is a reason why people don't try things. Um, whether that's fear from socialization or whatever. I think it's just, there's a lot of fear around things that people haven't been exposed to or don't understand, aren't educated on. Mm. Um, One of the biggest things that kept me from doing certain things, I think was, um, well, this is a fear too, but like not wanting to be an outlier or just wanting to fall into the place, into place with things. So like, again, my family was... um, being in the church, like we went to youth group stuff all the time, and um, like I was in the kids group, and we did our like Bible studies and little Bible camps and all these little things. So of course, you know, you don't want to be that person who's like, and there's always a couple of them, but like you don't want to be mm-hmm. that person who's like blatantly wilding out. And also to that, when you have a community like a church type of community, you don't want to be the kid that like bring shame on the family. Sounds real extra, but like you don't want to be that person who's like making your family look, air quote, look bad. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's like, all right, I'm going to just chill. 
I think that's a huge one, not wanting your family to look bad. Yeah, you don't embarrass your, your people when they blatantly are like, you know, trying to teach you the right things or what they believe to be the right things. Mm-hmm. I know. And I think another one, and this is maybe a little bit later, like after you're like grown, um, kind of why some people don't do things is because it's like comparative superiority. Like, <laughs> I don't smoke weed. Mm-hmm. And like they kind of look down on people for doing things. And it's like if you feel like you need to have an upper hand on somebody, sometimes mm-hmm. you'll abstain from things just to have that. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've I've seen that and I saw, um, I think they were talking about it on some podcast I was listening to, but they were like, you know, if you don't have a reason why you're not doing something or trying something, but you're so quick to talk down on it, like you need to look at your reasons. Mm-hmm. That is a good one too because I, I've been kind of that person I don't think I was trying to like not do it because of that but it was always like kind of something that can make you feel like you're special because like oh I've never I've never done that or I've never done this or I've never Mm -hmm. done that and then after a while it's like okay for what like pass me the weed like what are y'all doing (laughs) um and also I think when I did try things I don't think I thought about it that hard I think it was just like uh, oh, okay, I'm gonna like I'll try it. Like I I don't trying drugs was like okay cool. Um, some of the harder drugs are some things that I avoided for a little bit longer. When I yeah even when I tried I'm like I know who I am and I know like you know I I, I don't know I'm not, I'm not like wilding out I'm not I'm not gonna do the most but like I know what I'm getting into at this point um, and how to control myself or believe I can control myself enough that it's not going to become like some crazy issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Yeah. With like with, and because with sex, like because I started being sexually active so much later, I did, mm, oh, well, I kind of had control until I got out of relationships and I had my little while out period, um, which has come back to haunt me in a couple different weird ways. But for the most part, I feel like, okay, this is life. Like, you have to understand people live life. They do things that they do. And mm-hmm. I think the part of the issues with these types of things is that we go so far to, um, like, we go so far to vilify them that we don't recognize, like, how prevalent it really is. Yep. And not to say that, oh, if everybody's doing it, like, okay, it's cool. But at the same time, it's like, hey, if we just all talked about this and as regular people who have tried things and do things, then it wouldn't have to be, like, everybody slightly hiding, mm-hmm. if that made sense. Like, we don't have to act like, oh, you know, in meetings, like, everybody's acting like they don't do this or that. But it's like, but we all do it. So, like, let's just... Be more open. Yeah, like, just be more open about it. Um, And I think I start to see with social media and with other other ways of communication seeming more open that you get a little bit more of a view of things that are happening that you might not necessarily, like, hear about or discuss otherwise. And so I feel like some things are becoming more acceptable or, like, people can listen to it and not be like, oh, man, you're crazy or you're terrible or whatever, Um, which I think is good. Yeah, and I think if people, back to the two-way conversation, if people just were more open, it would remove a lot of the barriers that keep people from trying these things and would probably actually keep people safer from when learning doing about them. them. Yeah, for just educating yourself. Um, when thinking about why I tried things when I didn't, like, so for example, not smoking weed for so long and then actually trying it for real, for real, I didn't think about it that hard. It wasn't like, okay, for my birthday, I want to smoke weed. Mm. It was Tay was out here for my birthday and she was like, yo, you trying to smoke? And I was like, huh. Why it's not? Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because I remember I had went over to Lexi's house not too long after that. And someone had asked me if I wanted to smoke. And she was like, nah, she don't smoke. I was like, yeah, sure. You kind of looked at mm-hmm. me. I was just like, eh. 
It's a thing. It's like, why not? And I realized that I was kind of doing the comparative superiority, not like to look down on people, but like you were saying, like, it's I, a I've thing never that done that. Have yeah. a badge for it's a thing of. that I, yeah, let me, I wear this. I don't smoke weed badge. And now it's like, <laughs> eh, I don't, it's not really my thing, but right. I don't have anything against it. Like it is what it is. I've tried it. It's not for me. Um, and I think knowing who I am and being willing to explore that was kind of what got me to be open to trying other things. And I was sexually active a little bit earlier. And so then I went into this whole like nun phase because I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I, you know, got to get right with God and all these things. And then <laughs> like I've been, you know, just open to that and discovering more about myself. But I think it really comes down to questioning why you don't do things or why you hold such strong beliefs or negative thoughts or stigmas about things and then figuring out what works for you because that's really all that matters. Yeah. And I think a lot of this is our socialization, the environments we grew up in. We have two very different families, but we're both grew up in societies that were very much Bible Belt. And even if you're not a churchy person in the South, like you still... (laughs) You still can't get liquor without going to the you ABC abide store by those before norms. 9 p.m. Like, mm-hmm. And not on Sundays, baby. Yeah, so like it's still things that tell you all around you, like, this is not right, this is right, you know. So you grow up in that way to where, ooh, if you see this person doing that, then it's like, ooh, that's bad. Um, and so I, I think the way you're socialized has a huge part to do with that. And so I would encourage um, listeners, y'all probably old enough where y'all like, mm, I done did all this, but... Um, just encourage you to continue to be open-minded around what other people do, period. Like being less judgmental, mm-hmm. um, being open to accepting certain things. You don't have to try. I'm not telling y'all go shoot up right now or anything like that, but um, not being like pressed about uh, what things you don't do and do and like just kind of live your life. Yeah, because going back real quick, going back to those badges, like I remember playing like the drinking games. It's like never have ever. And people be so excited. And it's like, damn, because I thought I was like, damn, I want to die and never have tried any of these things. Yeah, I'd be out. <laughs> and Carly be like, mm, I ain't do nothing. But we ain't played in I'd a while. <laughs> right. Uh-oh. See, I turned up on us. But I think it's also kind of cool. And I'm, I like how a lot of the things that I turned up on have been like in my 30s. And to me, that's kind of cool because it's like I'm, I'm a grown ass woman. Like I said, like. You know, I know what I'm doing. And there's still mm-hmm. things I'm like, okay, I still have things that I want to try and don't feel no kind of way about it. So it's whatever. Yo, I get mad excited about I'm like, yo, I got all these things I get to experience. <laughs> yeah, don't don't wait too long. Not that you should OD on all of that stuff like immediately, but um, yeah, when you get the opportunity, sometimes it's like, all right. And I think it depends on who you're around. You know, like, mm-hmm. like I'll never be in a random party and then be like, oh, I'm trying to do this or that. Like, I'm good on that. Absolutely but, not. you know, in certain circumstances with your people, um, control space, whatever it is, like, you know, try what you get to try. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of the the biggest things, too, that I thought about also with this topic is just the the idea of repressing your desires. And I feel like, and, and this is actually stats, which I have not looked up, sorry. But I'm, I've heard and seen so often that in the Bible Belt, like in the South and going a little bit into the Midwest there, um, there is so much more of particular types of crimes, particular types of activities because they're so sexually mm-hmm. repressed or because they're so repressed. It's like, that's why you find like they, you know, people and senators be having men escorts gagged up in their basements and uh, people being serial killers and serial yep. rapists. And it's like, bro, they've never, they've never been allowed to like actually explore themselves in an open way. And so you kind of just become crazy and dark and grotesque and, and that's a real thing. And so 
instead of being repressed and or for people who have kids or work with youth, et cetera, it's very important, I think, to not necessarily repress these desires that are very natural um, in everybody, but to kind of provide the environment that allows education and mm-hmm. allows, um, you know, some realness to get in there so that people can understand, like, you know, it's okay. And in today's information age, like kids have so much access to so many other things that we didn't. All we had was books. When we were trying to still stuff, won't be knowing the details. Yeah, but they don't know the details. But then if you don't, if you don't create that safe space and brave space for them to talk about it with you, then like they're just gonna ask their friends who mm-hmm. also don't understand what's don't happening. And I'm only going in hard on this because I coach volleyball, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade girls. Y'all, <laughs> give them brave spaces to talk about mm-hmm. these things, please. Yeah, so that's our sex, drugs, and mayhem uh, episode. <laughs> Let's use that as a title, I guess. I like that. Um, and so hit us up this week. Uh, hit us up and tell us. Hmm. Maybe tell us something you. Nah, I don't know. Y'all might not be wanting to do all that. I was going to say, tell us something you haven't tried yet. But we'll stick yeah. to what the question of the week is. So when we get to the question of the week, maybe that's something that you guys can hit us with this week. Yeah. But first, we got a shout out. So this week's shout out is The Aura Shop. It is a collection of luxe artisanal bath soaks, mindfully handcrafted in Brooklyn, New York, with the organic ingredients, botanicals, and love. These soaks are great for self-care rituals and are gentle on sensitive skin. There are three blends available now, and we'll link the website, but it is, but it is theorashop.earth, and they are created by artist Simone Seraphim. She's creating a new line of bath products influenced by some of the natural materials that she uses in her multimedia art pieces. Um, and so you can so check out the website, learn more about her, support her art. It's Black History Month and supporting black women always, and especially during Black History Month. Uh, if it's March, then we'll st- we're still supporting, so that's what it is. <laughs> but check her out um, and let us know what you think. Get your soak on. That's cool. And then this week's question of the week. Carly, what's one thing you haven't experienced yet that you would try? Man, there's a lot. But I will... Uh, the first thing that came to mind, I want to try a five soon. Whoa. Um, haven't thought about that. I'll come back to Oh, whoops. So um, I am thinking about like ayahuasca. Like, so um, what are those, um, what are they called whenever it makes you take a, a trip, but you. LSD? No, uh, it's in the same family. Yeah, LSD, I guess. But they're drugs that make you have. Um, Hallucinogens? Thank you. Thank you. I haven't. Mm. I, I want to try like some of those. I've seen a lot of research, a couple of the entrepreneurs that I follow, like go on ayahuasca trips every year and do LSD mm. and do all these things and not saying that's what I'm going to do, but I'm definitely looking into it um, and seeing the benefits in your brain and opening up different parts. Um, yeah. So that's pretty interesting. There's also a lot of really cool research around psilocybin and what it does for your health. Uh, so shrooms and the things that it can actually do if you microdose and different stuff. So look that up. That's kind of interesting. So you're saying you, you would experience, you do want to try shrooms or you have, are you saying you already have? Oh, I've tried shrooms, but mm-hmm. I, um, in micro doses. Uh, so like for the health stuff, but I want to try for the more. You got to try that 3.5 of yeah, the Yeah, I only shrooms. had a half, a half thing. When I try something, I wall out. <laughs> see, I, mean, no, I Google like, how much do I actually need to see purple dragons? It, that's gr- what I want. A, what was it? Like an eighth? Cool. <laughs> so I took a whole 3.5. So that's that's what I want. I only did half of that. And it was cool, but I was like, no, nah, I want the full mm-hmm, like hallucinogenic mm-hmm. experience. But then I've heard like with ayahuasca and LSD and different things, it's like a whole different journey. So I want to mm. see what that is. Well, so I was going to say acid. So I don't know if that's the same thing. LSD you, is acid, right? Yeah, LSD oh, is. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't know if the, what you were, the word you were using, ayahuasca nose or whatever. That's like in um, like 
Mexico and South America. It's like those trips, mm-hmm. but I think it's, it's very similar, but they're like natural herbs. Yeah, I think, um, hmm, yeah, I would still try acid. Mm-hmm. Uh, not too many other drugs I haven't tried that I think I would try because I'm not not doing nothing with needles. Um, no meth. Mm, I can't really think of too many sexual things that aren't like super specific that I'm not about to list off. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm gonna stick to acid. So listeners, hit us up. Let us know what your thoughts are on um, growing up and just trying different experiences. Um, what you're glad happened. What you're. What you're. You know. You wish you had learned or gotten. Mm-hmm. And maybe let us know. Like, what is something that you haven't done yet that you want to try? Hit us up at Carly's Couch on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Lextopia at CC Fierce slash Carly Carpio. Peace out. Bye, y'all. Yeah. <laughs>